On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite, one of your hosts. And as always, I am joined by the wonderfully talented Stefania from CAEH. <laughs> Steph, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Good, good. You know what? Lots going on and that just means progress is being made and that's where we want to go. Uh, lots of exciting things we saw today at Blue Door. Um, it was a big day. So we, were, we have a construction social enterprise. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that's been going for about a year. It's been going really, really well because it prevents homelessness by giving people meaningful and well-paying jobs. It also brings in revenue and builds housing. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool. So it received the Ontario Non-for-Profit Association Innovation Award this year. So uh, we just and they just rela- uh, launched a video with that. So it's, it's been a big day for Blue Door. How about yeah. you? What's going on at uh, the Alliance? Well, that's amazing. And congratulations. I really think that's so exciting. I love the work that you guys do at Blue Door. Um, For the CAH, I think right now we're just really focusing, you know, Parliament's back in and our lobbying efforts are, are back at it. And, you know, I think we're looking to see uh, what the conference will look like next year, the the National Conference on Ending Homelessness. So, you know, I think we'll be releasing details early uh, in the new year. But uh, yeah, just planning because it's hard to predict where we're going to be in a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that. And as we record this, we're only uh, we're only what three days, four days away from two major milestones. One, mm-hmm. my birthday. Two, it's National <laughs> Housing Day. Um, on November 22nd. So that will be interesting to uh, hear. I believe the throne speech comes from that and we'll see the mandate letters. So always great to get the Canadian Alliance's take on on all of that for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of takes, I'm really interested in today's guest who comes from, you know, sort of my neck of the woods, but also super not really. So can you tell us more about them? (laughs) Yeah, much much more sunny, I believe. Uh, A little (laughs) more rainier. But Listen, and all the way from Los Angeles, we have uh, Charlie Ligeti. Charlie is a published author, serial entrepreneur, former licensed real estate agent, and commercial real estate banker. He's the director of the Housing Innovation Collaborative, the HICO, an action-oriented nonprofit housing R&D platform based in Los Angeles. 
Heiko highlights the next generation of construction, finance, and policy solutions to address the housing affordability crisis. His recent work on rapid shelter solutions has been featured in national press and published with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Charlie earned his Bachelor of Arts from Dartmouth College, majoring in Geography and Economics, then an MBA from the University of Southern California. Charlie, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me, Michael, and um, thank you for having me, Stefano. Well, so we, we've got into the habit of always having our first question center around home, because uh, that's what this podcast really is all about. So I'm going to ask you, what does home mean to you? Um, wow, that's a, well, I mean, it's such a simple question with so many connotations. I mean, I kind of like, you know, even just reading my bio, it's sort of like I've always been um, involved in some sort of home development, home industry business. Both of my parents were uh, residential real estate agents, so I grew up going to open houses and, you know, kind of <clears throat> talking about people buying their new home um, and sort of the real estate aspect my whole life. But I really had a kind of a new meaning to home when I got out of the bubble of, you know, the, the resort town that I grew up in and moved to Los Angeles and saw how much more important home is to where you kind of end up in life. Um, and so <clears throat> me, I mean, I think home is your starting point. It's, um, it's, it's where everyone comes from. So, <clears throat> and that's sort of like whether you wake up in the morning um, and you, and you, and you sort of are a younger, uh, person in a better neighborhood waking up in a big house, you're going to probably be better off in this country or this world than someone that's waking up in a sort of dilapidated home or in a, an apartment building that their parents can barely afford, um, in, you know, a different neighborhood. So it's sort of everybody's starting off point is, um, it's, it's, it, that's, that's how, that's housing is, is where we come from. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, I've been loving this question because I just find everyone has such a personal answer and they vary. Um, but I think it's, there's that commonality of it's, I mean, it's home, right? Which is why it is a simple question, but it, it it's interesting how varied the answers have been. And, um, you know, it's, so exciting to have somebody from LA. Uh, this is really, yeah, I think our first guest, or it's been a long time since we've had a guest south of the border. So what can you tell us about the Housing Innovation Collaborative? Um, how did it come about and what does it aim to accomplish? Well, yeah, so the uh, Housing Innovation Collaborative, it's a nonprofit. It was founded in 2017 in Los Angeles, um, really by a group of uh, stakeholders in the affordable housing and uh, homelessness services and like industry here in Los Angeles that sort of saw, saw this the continued um, worsening of our homelessness unhoused population kind of growing every single year by double digits for the past 10 years. And so a lot of stakeholders involved in the industry that build affordable housing or uh, part of the social services uh, network here in Los Angeles we're like, we have to create some way for us to come together, share best practices, and start coming up with solutions that can actually start being um, sort of scalable in, in addressing this issue. Um, 
that seems to be out of control. So in Los Angeles, um, we uh, house about uh, half of California's uh, uh, unsheltered population. So the 150,000 people that sleep outside every night in the streets in California, uh, 75,000 of them live in the LA region. So we're sort of the nation's epicenter of the, I'd say, unsheltered population. Across the entire country, we have the largest unsheltered population. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of gotten to a point where <clears throat> people now see homelessness everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like it's gotten to the point where there's not a single neighborhood in L.A. spared, not a single mile of freeway spared, of tents kind of popping up everywhere. Um, and so I think it's very much in people's faces now of the inequalities that we've sort of built into the society over many, many years. Um, so sort of to the point where the housing crisis isn't just a problem for the lowest income people anymore. It's a problem for, you know, all the way up to the middle class, um, where <clears throat> now the, the median... <clears throat> the median sale pr sales price of a home last month, uh, just in LA County, was eight hundred thousand dollars, which is almost three times as much as what the median household income in our county can afford. So something is something is is going on, where you know the supply is simply just not keeping up with all the people that want to work here, all the demand. And so, you know, kind of the, the Housing Innovation Collaborative's sole task is kind of creating this platform to share best practices and, and how we can actually scale this problem. So we're looking purely at supply production, innovation, where it drives down the cost, uh, sort of accelerates the timeline, or improves the outcomes or design of the product. And so, so we're sort of showcasing innovations in sort of the design space and financing, um, sort of what new banking or lending practices can help save money. Um, and, you know, in the zoning and land use, but also in the construction process and sort of, you know, looking at, at you know, various modular uh, construction uh, processes out there, you know, what's, what's happening in the 3D printing space, you know, honestly looking at what is possible that we can kind of put and deploy right now to actually scale this problem because right now in los angeles the problem is is really a supply and demand problem where there's not enough money to go around to solve this homelessness housing crisis at the lowest income with the methods that we have right now so in la county we're sort of we have this like sort of famous um uh, uh number five hundred and fifty thousand dollars six hundred thousand dollars it now costs per unit to provide permanent supportive housing in our city. It's sort of the butt joke of a lot of late night TV shows because they are here in, in LA, part of this kind of like local development challenge where it costs so much money to build one unit of housing. And so, you know, at that rate, that's, that's kind of the whole point of the, of the collaborative is to showcase how can we provide supply at a much lower price point um, kind of along the entire continuum of where we lack supply. There's a supply deficit, both on the lowest income um, side of the housing industry, and there's a huge supply deficit for the sort of the middle income, moderate income household industry. And so we're just trying to simply figure out how we can hack at 
that huge deficit that we need to tackle in order to supply in, in order to really address the crisis at the root cause, which is not enough homes. Mm -hmm. So you you sort of touch on this, um, you know, my next question about what the state of homelessness and the housing crisis is like in LA. And it sounds very familiar to what's even happening up here in Vancouver, where there is, um, it, it does cost a lot to develop um, in Vancouver. And of course, that gets translated down to the consumer level. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you said you moved to LA. I, I just wonder what that evolution has been like for you in the time that you've lived there from, like, how long has it been that you've noticed this sort of modern mass homelessness where it's in, you know, every neighborhood? Um, I mean, the, so homelessness and in LA has, has been kind of uh, tied connotations of that for decades. Um, you know, we've, and, and like sort of since the 80s or even before that, we've had a pretty large population down in downtown LA, Skid Row, um, which has always been sort of where LA kind of shoved the problem aside for the past several decades, is they just sort of said, let's take you know, all of these encampments and just force them into this like one uh, sanctioned box out of sight um, in sort of a corner of a vacant part of town, you know, a bunch of warehouses um, in sort of the fashion district, arts district uh, type of area. And so that has always been around. The, the difference though, is that the numbers are, I mean, they've doubled in the past five years. And it's like, it's gone from an embarrassing problem to kind of like, you just can't, I mean, you can't ignore it anymore. Like you're literally walking. I, I walk out of my house, walking around tents on the sidewalk. Um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had, you know, uh, uh, LA Times journalists locked up like it was, it was, you know, we were in Russia or something because we deployed riot police to clear an encampment out of a neighborhood. We're like literally dragging, kicking and screaming people into buses to eradicate this problem. And so, you know, the, um, we're at a whole <laughs> another level of like this kind of continued, um, we've tried to, we've tried to deal with the problem by ignoring it. That hasn't worked. And so I feel like it's starting to now become a trend of kind of changing the psyche in LA of like, oh, we actually have to figure out how to address this thing. Oh, <laughs> you know, the, the, you can't kick this can down the road and the buck stops here too. Um, you know, so like we have to figure out how to address the problem because it's only going to get worse. And I think that's kind of the tipping point that we're, we've been at over the past maybe two or three years. And that's why LA passed, you know, a $1.2 billion bond initiative back in 2017 or 2018, um, or maybe it was 2016, you know, so, sort of in the past four years. That's why LA passed this huge um, bond initiative to build specifically housing for people experiencing homelessness because it had been such a, it's such a in-your-face um, issue now. You can't, you can't go to work without stepping over someone sleeping on the streets. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> um, I feel like that is, is where we are now in LA. And I feel like that's the kind of the tipping point of when you can kind of get cat cataclysmic, uh, change 
is when you have sort of the public support behind something um, and, you know, the urgency seems to be started ramping up. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. For, for sure. And I think let's talk about change. Uh, a lot of change comes from innovation. Your organization, I think, looks at innovation and solutions to ending homelessness. And can you tell us about some of the cool uh, innovations you've seen? What's working? Well, I mean, it's so the so the problem with um, the the housing supply that's creating sort of a homelessness issue and also a housing affordability issue for the middle class is, um, you know, we we don't have enough housing options, um, and we don't have we don't have enough homes long term. But we also do not know as a society really to deploy housing now, like you know, sort of as an emergency measure. And so when we like. Um, were right at the beginning of the pandemic um, in March 2020. LA just finished our homelessness count. We had 70,000 people living out uh, outside on the streets. And now we have this acute public health nightmare where like literally every person sleeping outside on the street could die from coronavirus. Um, and so in the first few weeks of the pandemic, there was this huge... Um, sense of urgency to bring people inside, whatever it took. And we were buying motels. We were renting, uh, you know, all these hotels that sort of were vacant. We, I think California across the state maybe rented like 7,500 hotel rooms to bring people inside. And so, um, like, you know, the, there was this kind of huge surge of like unsolicited proposals to help. And so that's what we, as a, as a website, kind of evolved to, to create this sort of housing world's fair is we created sort of a standardized submission process where, you know, we could sort through and catalog all of these different unsolicited proposals that were coming into the LA mayor's office to solve this uh, acute uh, sort of nightmare scenario of needing to shelter people quickly and immediately. And so we sort of wanted to capture that innovation in a bottle, um, but then kind of grow that into a bigger kind of catalog discussing how do we as a society deploy housing in times of crisis more effectively. Like it's a broken system right now. And so I think um, there's a lot of interesting solutions out there that we've kind of taken in from other realms outside of the housing uh, sort of crisis uh, or housing industry realm from you know the military uh, or from uh, FEMA response to disasters um, or refugee innovations that the UN is deploying in sub-Saharan Africa to figure out like how, like what are pieces or lessons learned from other types of similar scenarios where there's a homelessness crisis <laughs> in Jordan, you know, because Syrian, Syrian refugees are flooding, have been flooding into that country for the past 10 years, um, where you have these massive encampments um, throughout the country. And so they're thinking about the exact same issues that LA uh, officials are thinking about 
and that and I think that is kind of the knowledge sharing that has been the most interesting is looking at the how the housing is deployed. And so we've 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 showcased these like panels that have someone from like the mayor's office who is maybe involved in deploying like rapid shelter in their city, like you know, pop-up tiny villages or huge tents or something within weeks after the crisis to sort of showcase how deals got done in various scenarios. Um, and so I think it's like, that is, that's the most interesting innovation is pro providing the full picture of how action can take place. Is you, you, it's like, it's not just showing off a sexy model housing unit. It's like, here is the structure that you follow to, to like basically put together one of these deals. You gotta find a place to put it. You know, here's, here's a church licensing agreement that you can use as a template from you know, the Seattle model um, to secure a piece of land. You have to find the vendor, obviously, for the housing model based on your, whatever budget you have. You have to put together the development team. You have to have an operator. And like, you know, there's basically five parts of every sort of deal. And so I think showcasing that of how do you take all the innovation of like sort of the interesting housing models and actually plug them into your city. And so you, you know, you sort of showcase the collaboration of like a church group, a social services provider, a developer, um, you know, a city, a city staff member at the mayor's office basically took five people to pull this thing off to bring the rest of the coalition in to actually deploy a deal. Um, and so I think that's like, those are the most interesting innovations because they basically say, <laughs> if these five people can sort of deploy housing in that manner, um, w w given that budget and sort of here's the pieces that go into it, what is the excuse that no other city is doing? You know, it's sort of like we're showcasing what 3% of the cities are doing, but what about the other 97%? What are, what are their excuses for not doing action too? And so we kind of make it a very replicable thing people can just learn from and copy each other. Yeah, I mean, in, in Canada, we often refer to it as uh, a demonstration project or a pilot project. And we do that for, hey, let's build it small, see if we can scale it. But also, uh, people are sometimes more likely to fund it because the risk is, is not as high. Um, we, we're talking about the here and now. There's lots of work to be done. Let's talk about the future. What are some of your goals for the future? What are your hopes? That there's more collaboration in the housing industry. I mean, kind of, um, it's like, so the housing innovation collaborative, like our mission is building more housing. It's a base, it's basically our name. It's building more housing with more innovative, uh, sort of methods of deploying that housing with more partners, you know, more people and more ideas need to come together to, to build housing. That's how housing is built. And, I feel like the, the, we have tons of um, capacity, like all the hardware and, and software is in place to build housing right now. We have trillions of dollars of dry capital. We have the technology, the labor force uh, to build housing. Uh, we have the land to build housing. We have, so we have the money. Um, what we don't have yet is the willpower to do that. And so I hope in the future there's more like real collaboration around achieving shared goals. So like right now, I feel like where we are as a housing industry and in addressing this is everybody's acting in their own thing. They're all doing their own thing. No one's coordinating 
their initiatives. Um, and that, and that's, that's, that's both from, you know, all the different government agencies working on the homelessness and housing crisis in, La in you know, Los Angeles and just across the country. That also goes for all these different architecture studios, you know, that have their own little innovation labs and like, you know, and it, and it goes for even just the industry groups that have these like round tables where there's still closed door meetings that you have to pay, you know, $100 to hear what people have to say on a panel. And it just becomes just an echo chamber of, you know, people in the same industry sort of saying the same things about the problems out there. And I feel like <clears throat> we need to start talking less about distribution and more about contribution. And so I, I hope that people uh, start like really actually collaborating with each other. And like our platform tests that every day of how collaborative any organization is because, you know, our team will reach out and say, will you like to participate for free um, for an initiative? You know, whether it's showcasing a design, showcasing a book that they wrote or an article or a report or whatever, um, and sort of gauging their willingness to share that, right? Um, and so I feel like there's people, a lot of people are just like, you know, more than willing or come unsolicited to share proposals or advice or contacts or whatever. But I feel like there's still a lot of people out there that are just sort of hesitant to open themselves up to just sort of like taking, taking like, you know, taking a swing at new ways of, of thinking. Um, like right now for fun, <laughs> we're proposing to build the first floating apartment in the port of Long Beach in Los Angeles with these urban rigor uh, floating apartments that they deploy, that they have a bunch of in Copenhagen, not because it's like the best solution ever for the house, for the homelessness crisis, but really because one, it's, it is feasible. So we should be exploring it. Why not? And two, it's a good, it's a good way to get like basically <laughs> call up a County official, right. And say, Hey, I have this uh, idea about floating housing just to get like rattle them out of their comfort zone of now having to respond <laughs> to a question about how to authorize the entitlements and building code around a floating apartment. And that's simply what we need to be doing. People need to be getting out of their comfort zone because right now the status quo is what everyone's comfort zone is. Um, and to change how we address the housing crisis means you have to change how you feel and how you act on any given day, like on a Tuesday morning, if someone emails you with a crazy idea, you know, because I know, I know people like officials working in, you know, the, the mayor's office in Los Angeles, for example, because they forward me these emails all the time are, you know, proposing, Hey, I have this like pop-up shelter thing, right? The emails, those, those emails never go responded, but what if <laughs> people started responding to them, right? Because then the vendor could get some feedback the city would end up getting better results. Um, and, you know, sort of like taking the crazy step of responding to the crazy sounding person over email or whatever is a good first step to figuring out how you can get out of your comfort zone and start collaborating with each other more. And I feel like that isn't really, right now the status quo is very much, is very much locked up walls still, at least in my perspective from, from LA, but um, I'm sure everything's more collaborative in Canada, but <laughs> well, in the US it's still, that's where I hope the future goes. 
I, I like to think it's very, uh, it's more collaborative. And, and listener, you, if you're not watching the video, I've got my, just to prove I'm Canadian Charlie, feeding into the stereotype, I've got my Tim Hortons. Oh my God, yeah, it's great. Look at that. Yeah. I'm one lumberjacket away from feeding into that stereotype. You're absolutely right. We need more people like you. We need to you shake it up. You have in the front. Your <laughs> spine, I just had it for lunch. It was delicious. In the snow bank. Poutine in the middle of the day. I, I couldn't get anything done after, after eating poutine in the middle of the day. So we, we love what you're saying. We've got to shake it up. What we're doing isn't cutting it. We have to do things differently to uh, prevent and end homelessness. Where can people go to find out more about what you're doing right now? So our platform, this like Housing World's Fair, Virtual Housing World's Fair, is housinginnovation.co. So short for collaborative. But um, if you just Google Housing Innovation, I think we have number one SEO on that. So that's also a way to find us. But that platform is kind of a um, self-exploratory, you know, series of exhibitions where you can walk through villages of emergency rapid shelter if you're a local government official. You can walk through, um, you know, like sort of a whole catalog uh, of backyard home designs um, that are pre-approved by cities or by at the state level. Um, or you can you know, walk through different deals that cities have done. So we're, we're trying to make sort of an educational experience that's also sort of just like you are visiting the zoo and happen now to know more about the animals that you see versus it being sort of like a classroom feel. So that's what we kind of hope is people kind of just stumble over various uh, innovations out there because at the end of the day like that's that's how you see yourself plugging in is like oh maybe i want to build a backyard home or oh you know maybe this organization sounds really interesting or like oh maybe i should contact so and so and send this to them or you know whatever so i think that's kind of um, how people can get involved just by uh, engaging with it as they would a, uh, just a normal <laughs> average user well, that sounds really interesting, and I definitely encourage our listeners to check that out. Um, but, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and uh, thank you for providing this forum for having these conversations. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always the most important step is just, at, like, you know, creating the opportunity to take the step. So, so thank you. Awareness and education, that's a large part of what On The Way Home is about. Steph, I love the energy. I love the challenge. Another great mm -hmm. guest on On The Way Home, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. And it was, you know, interesting because it, it was reminding me how much Vancouver, in particular with our downtown east side and Skid Row, have in common. And that Skid Row actually got its name from the downtown east side uh, origin story, which is, you know, the downtown mm -hmm. east side is based where... The logging, yeah, the logging yeah. camps were, um, and that's where the SRO hotels, the single room occupancy hotels came from that are now, you know, the SRO hotels that we know them as today. Um, and yeah, so Skid Row comes from that logging term and then somehow made its way down to Los Angeles. And I had a friend, a journalist friend who was very upset about that because <laughs> it's like Skid Row, it's a Vancouver term. Um, but yeah, I, it, but I think it just also touches on the commonalities that we experience in our cities when we see that level of homelessness on our streets. Absolutely. Well, you're dropping some knowledge there. I learned something. <laughs> well, I learned a lot today, even more right at the end when I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. Uh, probably not something we were, we, you know, are super proud to own, but, <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, no. it does come from Vancouver. 
Um, thanks for joining us on the way home. Steph, we'll see you next time. See you then. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.